to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation as usual as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I hope you liked our opening song. It's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band. For those of you that are new to Alzheimer's Speaks, it was created because my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years. And I just thought there had to be a better way to connect people to services and products and tools around the world. And so we like to give voice to everybody, big, small, it doesn't make any difference, um, age or concept. Uh, we want to have a conversation. We want to learn more. So if you think you might be our next guest, please reach out to me at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com. Now, I want to do a few shout outs before I introduce our guest today. We're going to be talking about a new living concept. And so first of all, I want to mention Dementia Map. Dementia Map is a global resource directory that we launched. Everyone is welcome to join. There's a free listing you can have, or you can have an enhanced listing. And most importantly, it's accessible to everyone everywhere 24 seven. And there's no cost, no account that has to be made. We have about 150 different categories for you to choose from. So please check out DementiaMap.com. Now, I always like to give a shout out to a couple of events that I'm doing. So Arthur's Memory Cafe continues to meet virtually the second and the fourth Wednesday of each month. And that starts at one o'clock central time. Anybody is welcome to join. And then Brookdale North, I facilitate a connecting caregivers group for dementia. And that one we meet in person. That is at 10 o'clock on the last Wednesday of each month at the Shoreview Community Center. So feel free to partake in that if you're in Minnesota. October 21st, I will be doing a session uh, which will be in person and masks are required that's being sponsored through the waters of White Bear. And that is gonna be in their community room starting at 4 p.m. Central Time. Masks are required and it is called Dementia Shifting from Crisis to comfort and that will be an hour long. Also a couple other events that I'll be participating in is the Plymouth International Virtual Dementia Conference will be October 27th, November 3rd and the 10th. I will personally be speaking on the 27th. All three days are free and I would recommend that you sign up for that. And then November 2nd, there will be a conference that is sponsored by the Dementia Research Charity, BRACE, entitled Together for Dementia. And there is a minimal fee for that one, but again, another great conference. We're going to hear from the Footbar Walker, and we will be right back. <music> 
Introducing the life-changing Footbar Walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The Footbar Walker revolutionized my care of George. It absolutely benefits the patient and the caregiver both, and that's the beauty of it. It's so easy to use. It folds up just like a dream. I got it in and out of the car without any effort at all. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle? to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The Foot Bar Walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com. That's thefootbarwalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend the Foot Bar Walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the Foot Bar Walker. Well, we're back and and today we are going to be talking with Esther Viskakar. She is the visionary and founder of Symbiosha, which is a new concept in community living. Esther has over 14 years of experience managing dementia services that specialize in meeting the needs of people who experience complex behavioral psychological symptoms with no pharmaceutical means. Uh, she also has her MSc in advanced care in dementia and her home care related research was published. She is a care home and corporate trainer on a variety of topics and is also a member of the International Think Tank on Dementia, Sexuality, and Human Rights. This woman has been driven by her unconventional walk of life and her extensive professional experience. And one night, she just decided she was going to change the world and boom, Symposia was born. So I want to welcome Esther and her team, and we are lucky that we have five other colleagues who support this project that we're going to hear their insights from as well. So I'm just going to highlight them quickly, and then we'll get on with our conversation. So we have Diane Gray, who is the Dean of Solent University, who Esther is working with to establish a partnership to further develop her concepts by engaging students and colleagues. We have Stuart Arthur, who represents Robert McAlpine, who is UK's leading civil engineer company, who is supporting the development of their proof of concept. We also have Mark Sansom, who supports uh, the project utilizing his vast global network exchange, Solace. And we have Jeff Southern, who represents the IBI group, and they are one of the leading architectural design groups in the UK. And then last but not least, we have Jazz Bassey, and she is experienced for firsthand in how dementia care took over her life when her mom was diagnosed. So she knows as a daughter how you have to step up and step in with everything you have in order to be a care partner. Well, I'm so thrilled to have this group with us today. This is going to be a really fascinating um, conversation. And I think one that is going to highlight so many things that we all probably think about, but we just haven't packaged them together in terms of the, the needs and wants regarding our communities as a whole. So before we start with our line of questioning, I am going to ask each one of them if they have 
have been personally touched by dementia in their own family or circle of friends. So Esther, you want to start us off? Hi, hi, Laurie. Thank you. My, my grandmother actually had vascular dementia. And uh, though by that time I also had left the Netherlands, um, I was very grateful that at least when I phoned her up, she she heard the energy in my voice. And I think there was an element of recognition there. I've seen how it ultimately, you know, it, it, you become pretty immobile by it. So that's how I had a first-hand experience of it. Okay, great. Thank you. And Mark, how about you? I haven't directly been impacted. Or, but my mother has been a carer for people living with dementia for, and she's 75 herself now, but she's been uh, caring for people for 20 years with, with living with dementia. So through, through that connection, I've, I've understood and been able to, 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 to get a sense of the experience for them. Wonderful. Thank you. Stuart, how about you? Yes, well, a little like Mark, um, I saw my mum, you know, when she retired, and what she thought was going to be time for her ended up being time as a carer for her mum, who um, had had dementia and um, and over eight years took out a lot of energy and resource from my mum and her time in providing care. And then currently at the moment, as a family, we're living with dementia at the moment. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Jazz, how about you? Um, hi, Laurie. Uh, yes, I do. I have um, personal experience. Uh, my mum... Dementia sort of came to her pretty quickly and progressed and I was lucky enough to be able to give up work and look after her and if that hadn't have been an option I really don't know what we would have done. Thank you and Diane how about you? My family's not been um, touched by by dementia. My parents died young um, before sort of the the possibility of, of dementia but I've taught um, young students about dementia and try to get across the debilitating um, illness that it that it can be. Um, so I, I've got understanding more from not from a lived experience, but from from teaching. Okay, thank you. And Jeff, how about you? Hi, Laurie. Um, yeah, not personally, not in my direct family, but my mother worked as a social worker, and one of my closest friends as a child's mother. Um, suffered with dementia and I remember that kind of situation even from being a young child and how um, how it was kind of positioned um, in in my quite small community that I was grown up on on the estate um, but since then having worked in healthcare uh, seen it in very different ways. Great. Well, thank you all for sharing. That just gives our audience a little bit of perspective. Esther, let's go ahead and dive in. And I want you to talk about your company. And I'm going to have you say the name because I know I'm going to screw it up. So I'm just going to be honest <laughs> so, that we, so that we get it straight. You know, we talked earlier and I love the concept. Introduce people regarding this new living concept that you've thought of and, and tell us about the, the hows and the whys you think it's different from others. So it's called Symbiosia. And um, for, for the legal experts, it's a community interest company which might be of interest because that tells you a little bit on how we see how the profit ultimately would be distributed, which is quite a bit of a crucial element to it. And symbiosia is where where we create a symbiosis. That's the giveaway for the word um, between care. And originally I said the word commerce as in uh, commercial activity um, and nature. 
And the idea is that you merge all three and all three are going to be happy. Um, and it is aimed for people who've come to a stage of dementia um, or possibly another um, bed bound um, um, condition um, where people uh, are no longer able themselves to actually move about. And right now, uh, that means you either are being looked after at home, which is wonderful if you're happy at home and you're so many visitors, you're kind of um, okay, you know, give me a bit of a break in between. That's fine. But unfortunately, reality is that a lot of people end up being quite lonely at home or they move into a care or a nursing home. And generally they are then, as we call it, sort of in a room, which is ultimately a box, in a box on a corridor, watching a box. And to put it a bit sadly, you know, crudely to before the final box. Um, and that is something um, Tambiosia addresses by far more an equal uh, view and bringing the, them back into community obviously set in nature because it makes no sense um, looking after a more elderly uh, cohort, if you wish, uh, by then actually damaging the planet for the younger generation. So that's, that's the fundamentals of it. However, it also needs to be paid for. Um, and that's where the, the commercial activity comes in. And what that does is uh, multiple reasons, actually, because that way you also merge it with the intergenerational aspect. And why actually, if we think about going to a care home, do we as a population or have to think, oh, you know, it's like, oh, that's not the place you're going to have your afternoon tea uh, or your first date, for instance, uh, in the garden. It's not that thing. Why, you know, why not create it? There's such an enormous bus and a community feel around it that it becomes an interesting place to live and to visit at the same time. So you 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 cut a knife on two sides, basically. Well, I love that it's, you know, you want it to be intergenerational. You want it to be equal. I know when we talked offline, you kind of mentioned it kind of like a rainforest, no matter how, how tall or how small, everybody is equal. They grow together to create this beautiful environment that's safe for the planet and, and things. And so I, I just think that that's exceptional that you're looking at different ways to combine, not, a, not just us as humans, but also um, industry and commercial ends to pull together to, to work well together instead of being in these little silos. I know I don't know about over there, but I know in the U.S. we are very siloed and, you know, the wall, you know, brick by brick is coming down, but it's a much slower process. And I know I would like to like to see as well. So how long have you been working on this concept? Oh, um, well, it, 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 it comes from a very personal space, as in um, the, the summer before uh, sort of when COVID was just about coming towards Europe in a way um, that that's the sort of the summer where I um, had a sort of a personal I would call it a bad night um, and I felt like swimming or sinking um, and um, yeah I, I, that's the night I decided boom it just came to me and I thought I'm gonna make a run for it and while 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 I'm doing this I may as well uh, deal with quite a few th uh, themes that professionally are bothering me uh, hence the the multitude of the concept but um uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of a year, and then um, sort of April time this year, uh, the company Symbiosia was actually formed. So prehistoric times, you know, in in the in the in the world of the universe, in, in the universe, it, it it's very small. 
but it feels like it's already come on a, a long way. Well, just having a team of people, you know, that believe in the concept. I mean, that's a huge step forward in terms of, of the growth. And, you know, I love that you've done that. I think so many times when people have a new idea, they spend a lot of time convincing people that don't get it or they don't believe. And then they get discouraged. And, you know, once you start hooking up with people that believe, I mean, things just automatically start rising and bubbling to the top, which is exciting. And then you're supported. You're all supported in the same thing and you're speaking the same language and just makes life much easier. And and I can tell just from the short conversations I've had, I don't see you as one to give up this idea. It seems like it's like burned in your heart and this is why I was born, you know, type of thing. You know, you've really kind of found your purpose in all of this. So kudos to you. Not many can say that. Um, I'm going to pull Jazz in here. I wanted to ask you first, Jazz, how did how did you even hear about the project itself? So um, it, it's, it's a little convoluted. It's one of my niece's best friends um, is a colleague uh, with Esther. And my niece told me half a story. And then the three of us uh, were speaking on Zoom and it absolutely blew my mind. And I didn't even know that that's what we were going to talk about because I thought we were going to talk about something else. So um, that's how I've come on board. Oh, isn't that funny? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's how you found found out about Symbiosha. Um, Now, in your intro, I had mentioned that you have been a care partner for your mother, which is not always an easy role. Uh, Most of us don't sign up for it. We're just kind of plopped into it, you know, with no training or anything. When it comes to this concept, is this something that you think you and your mom would would embrace, um, you know, Um, if it was built at that time? At that time, if it had been, if the idea had, had popped into Esther's head at the time, absolutely. But um, uh, my story and my mum's story is it's been and gone. And it was, um, as I said, it was, I was very lucky to be able to look after her and I couldn't see any other options. I had a tiny bit of help where people would come in. She also had diabetes. So the diabetes nurse doesn't do one thing and the carer doesn't do the other thing. So it was a lot of juggling. Um, yeah, if something like this had been available, 100%. It was just about keeping my mum as happy and and whole as possible. I like that when you said keep her whole. What do you think she would have appreciated the most out of, you know, all the different things that you've talked about, you know, um, with this community? What do you think would have really, like, touched her heart and made her smile? I think the fact that having a good energy around her, I think when I can't speak for her, obviously, but I felt that she there was there was parts of her that were just completely lost and then they would come back. And then some parts that were lost, that it was really good that they were gone. Um, I think she picked up on energy around her. And if we're in nature I think just being out getting vitamin d being amongst happy people I think those things would have definitely impacted her world because most of the time she didn't know where she was she couldn't remember if she was in India or in England and she would mistake the two 
and then decide to walk out into the street looking for the bathroom, etc. So definitely energy. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that answer. Um, Esther, anything that you, in terms of your design for you, that, that sticks out that you think a person with dementia, their care partner would really appreciate about uh, the, the project? I think it's the, it's that view that the option to have the view that, that you, that you are, uh, because there's, there's different ideas. So there's, there's the, the, the first floor. The idea is that we, we, we get it for people who are, like I said, who otherwise would be boxed in. That they, they now have that full view. If they so wish, of course, Jeff is going to do something magical that they can have the choice to close that office well. Um, he, he knows that's for the Christmas list. Um, and But, but at, at the same time, that if they want to be part of that community, they can. I, I often draw the comparison of where the elder in the warmer countries sit on a market square they 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 the bakery waves they they get to they get to see the school kids um they get to see the slide in the building goes around having that fun um and and having the music as well and like that the idea is that there is sort of um a, a, a holistic healthcare that it's it's we don't split it. It becomes totally person centered, and we're going to make it work for that person. Obviously, having their own furniture for as much as possible in their room, uh, all, all that. But what Jess was saying, I think most of it, it it will also very much with the energy. It's customer focused. I actually, when I just came into dementia care, I I didn't know other than my own grandmother, but I had a customer service background. And when I looked at my own service, I was like, well, obviously we're going to give the customers king, right? So there's no there's no doubt about it. And that is the whole intention. We're going to get it right for them. Whether that person is still able to articulate uh, uh, their complaint or not, that should not matter. And, and that is part of the drive behind it. Okay, wonderful. Well, I'm going to pull in um, Stuart and Jeff and Diane, because I want to ask you guys some similar questions. So just as reference, Stuart works with civil engineering and Jeff, uh, architects, and then Diane uh, with the university and research and kind of that next generation coming aboard. I'd love to hear why each of you decided to get involved with the the Symbiosha project. I I just, I always find that fascinating. What what was the trigger for you individually? And um, Stuart, I'm gonna start with you if you don't mind. Yeah, thanks, Laurie. Well, honestly, I didn't know what I was letting myself in for, but, I was um, I was approached by a, a mutual friend who thought I might be interested in this project, and um, initially, what attracted me was the, the people that Esther had managed to aggregate around her vision were, were people that I knew or I knew of from from associated industry that we work in in the built environment, and they were all great people, and as importantly, they all represented great companies. So that, that got my, my interest. And then, of course, when I actually met Esther and saw the, the force of nature that she is and the personality that she is and the vision that she has and, uh, you know, the, the skills that she brings to this project from her background alongside her personal experiences, that's quite a powerful cocktail that, um, that, 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 that engenders, uh, you know, enthusiasm and motivation. But um, it, it was one of these uh, serendipitous conversations because the company that I work for, we, we did quite a lot of work for um, a charity in the UK called Maggie's who provide um, restorative therapeutic environments for uh, 
cancer sufferers and their families alongside some of our public health facilities. But these are charitably funded. But they have some synergies with, with some of, of Esther's thinking around her model. Um, they have a strong connection with high-quality landscape as part of the therapeutic environment. And they provide places of refuge and calm that are about the person rather than about the, the healthcare service that they would be given for their cancer. Um, so, uh, and also uh, as a company, we, we, are, um, we have a part of our group, which is a, a very large green energy provider. Um, and we already sponsor some, um, some research and some pilot projects into regenerative communities and self-sustaining communities. So there are a number of aspects of, of what Esther's vision encapsulates for a very specific element of, uh, of this dementia care that really appealed to some of the things that as a business we're interested in. So, you know, it grabbed my attention on a personal level and from the point of view of, of some of the some of the visions and objectives of the company that I work for. Was it hard in terms of with your company kind of pitching this idea or it sounds like it was kind of a fold in in terms of this this would be a good match it was it was really easy to to convince the people i needed to convince to get on board and support this um you know it's such a good idea um and um you know the from a from a healthcare point of view which is the part of the business that i work in um you know so many of these strands we have an evidence base that supports them in in the healthcare design community and mark can probably talk about this a little bit um in more detail than i would but often the work that we do in, in kind of publicly supported clinical treatment is, is, is highly regulated. And the opportunity to bring in some of the evidence-backed um, aspects of environment and access to environment visually or physically, um, multi-generational uh, participation, some of these things are quite hard to build in within the regulatory framework of public health care, but really exciting to be able to, you know, to participate in a project that has some of these things at its heart. I love it. Jeff, how about you? What what drew you in? Yeah, I think I'm probably going to use a terrible metaphor, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to press on with it. I, I kind of think it's it, what was really interesting to me was it's kind of like my job is like being a chef. And often your people come to you and you say, oh, oh, you know, we'd like these things, we'd like these things. Here are the ingredients that we need to be included. Sometimes you get really good ingredients and sometimes you get a very limited number of ingredients. What I loved about Esther's approach was she she wanted to kind of say, okay, you know, you, you kind of, I want all the ingredients. I want I, I want to make it work. I want the best, the, the best food for the people to, to nourish them that we can get. Um, and I think that's that's always a really good challenge, isn't it? To someone to say, I just want the best. You know, you you need to do all of your R and D that you can do internally, all of the all of your work that you're trained to do in terms of delivery, um, and use all the tools you've got available. And I think that's that's really exciting. Um, and notwithstanding, I think her opening comment to me was, "It has to be net zero carbon." Um, and you know. Not a, it, it, we should strive towards net zero carbon, or we'll we'll target net zero carbon. It was it'll it'll have to be, you know, uh, looking at looking me in the eye and nodding, and this is what it's going to be. And I think that's a you know that's that's what you want from a 
from a brief. Well, that's a true leader and a visionary. You got to set the bar and hold the standards. And, uh, you know, if if we don't do that, we'll never achieve anything. You know, we'll always we'll always go less then, you know, because it's easier. How about you um, with your company? Was this was this a difficult thing to talk to them about and envision happening within? I don't think anything's particularly difficult with my company, but at the same time, you know, like like everything, when you're working, when you when you're supporting someone through all of this initial stages, and we've got so many different agenda that are that are happening at the same time, um, that that can be really difficult. But I've got such a big team supporting in terms of R and D across the globe and different specialisms in all of the different um, sectors, subsectors uh, that actually we can draw in people really quite rapidly to just give. Uh, you know, a, a few minutes advice that can help steer the conversations. But certainly when we get into the real complexity of, of real sites, a number of real sites and delivering it, um, then we'll, then we'll see where the real challenges are. And you had mentioned your pro bono work at this, and I believe Stuart, you are as well doing this free and same with Diane, which I think the way projects get lifted up and uh, more enjoyable in the process when you've got everybody working together. Um, Diane, I want to talk to you because I, I believe you got, you're still kind of in the process of probably going through the board and and things with your partnership. But I would imagine one of the things that the university could bring to this project, and correct me if I'm wrong, is is research piece. I want to start with what drew you to the project? Or or was it Esther pounding on your door and pulling you out of the room? You know, how did you find out about it? I think for me, it was my boss, um, the, the senior deputy vice chancellor at Solon, in, in America, I think that would be the vice president of, of, of a university saying, you have to meet this woman, you know, th- this woman's full of energy. And so myself and a colleague who is interested in dementia and also interested in veterans um, joined Esther on a call um, and, and blown away because it, it, it touched me. Um, and I think that's that's really important. I suppose I've been really concerned, um, you know, being a, a dean of health and sport, I've been really concerned about the stories our social workers, nurses bring back. Um, and, you, you know, I live around several care homes, um, uh, you know, where I am at the moment, and they just seem so land um so dark so painted green on the outside and and esther that first meeting with esther i i was blown away because i i strongly believe um that as as a population we should take care of one another um and that and that's taking care of of our elderly residents or or our elderly population um, as well, and and of course I'm I'm in in a way in an enviable position because we have graduates who leave us. They're 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 our next generation. They're they're the people. Um, you know, I'm sat behind a desk. You know, having lovely conversations with Esther, but through our doors are our next generation. That the next generation who will look after us. Um, well, probably 
me because I'm probably the eldest one on, on here. But anyway, that aside, so I, I, I think I think that that's it's it feels right. It is right. And we've got a whole sort of new generation who can, through their research, through their ideas, working with my colleagues on screen, can make this happen. Well, you know, you had mentioned you're probably the oldest one here. I don't know about that. I'm 62. And, you know, I cared for my mom. Beat you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> probably not by much. But I cared for my mom for 30 years. And one of the things that I have to admit um, selfishly that, that makes me really excited for this is to think, gosh, there could be different options for me when I get older. I mean, and more and more people are seeing, especially with COVID, you know, what has happened in this isolation. I mean, it, it's just escalated everything <clears throat> and people's eyes are opening and they're, and they're feeling the loneliness themselves and the isolation, you know, through this process, which I guess is a good thing out of, out of a bad thing you know, that, that hit us to maybe be able to change our ways. Esther, anything that you wanted to add to these three? I just think it's brilliant, uh, again, the way you kind of lassoed people and it hasn't been a hard sell like with Diane. I mean, it's coming from the top down to her. And so that makes it much easier to to get things on board with, so. Now, I, I, I must say, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enormously humbled to, to, to hear the lovely words. Sometimes in real life, people might give you a compliment, right? Like, oh, oh, I should, oh, if only I'd recorded it. And here's the good news, this is recorded. Well, <laughs> how lucky am I? This is amazing. Um, it, it, it is, um, it, it's, it, I would say it's not a journey for the faint-hearted, uh, that much is true. And, um, you know, the, sometimes people do look twice a little bit, <laughs> but it's, it is amazing. And, and that is what keeps it going. And it is a snowball by now. And I absolutely could not have done it or still be going forward had it not been picked up momentum. Um, so grateful to IBM, McAlpine and um, Mark um, from Salis and, and, and Solent and, and by now on, on the pro bono list it, it, it gives quite a few others as well the, the list is growing and growing um, and uh, yeah some people they may look a bit um, so so had it had it been my idea as in uh, oh um, but maybe it's not a good idea you know I would have stopped by now but I, I, I think it, it truly sort of the world is ready for it yeah it's it also nice and ultimately uh though i came up with the idea and obviously i'm gonna make sure i cultivate that seed and i make sure uh like what jeff was saying earlier uh, it will be done in a certain way and we will aim for uh, uh the, you know make it sense and we will think it through properly although obviously we're also going to actually put it to fruition i'm super grateful for for all the support and for the pro bono support because it's not so much uh though though it was it's a seed it's an idea that was planted the idea is of course that the the uk starts running with it um it's an invitation to the uk this is how it can be done this is how we will do it and what Jeff was saying earlier, we're going to do it um, at a good standard. Um, it is like a rainforest model. I keep referring to it. It's not just, it's, it's about nature. It's about the care. It's about the intergenerational work. It's about bringing joy in it. But it for sure is about improving uh, social care, staffing, uh, the staffing retention issues. Because that is, if everybody must feel a winner, 
like like you said earlier about the rainforest, no matter how tall or small, but if you cut out elements of it, it falls apart as we now humans know. And I believe the same goes for symbiosia. It all needs to melt together. And then, yes, it is a tiny bit complex. I, I, I get that for when, when sometimes that comment is being made, but because it so logically makes sense, it just makes sense. And, and sometimes common sense, you know, in the past has kind of been kicked to the curb because this looks flashy and bright and new. And it's like, can we just get back to the basics of, of what we really need and what makes us thrive? Um, this morning, I, I just briefly read an email and um, it was about a, a community here in the US that was gonna be very different. It was in California, but they really wanted to have peaceful spaces all over, which made me think of our conversations. And they're going to focus a lot on meditation and people involved in yoga. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting, they were going to have a vegan restaurant. Um, but what I, what I love about what you're doing and what I honor so much about the UK is you have helped us here in America really look at things differently. You know, we wouldn't have dementia-friendly communities. We wouldn't have memory cafes without you guys openly sharing ideas. And that is something that still in the U.S. is not done because everyone's worried someone's going to take their secret. And so a lot of times things aren't talked about until the ground is broke, the building's going up and the doors are open. And again, by doing that, I, I understand it to a point, but you lose out the potential of better ideas coming to the table because there's, so, there's such a wealth of knowledge out in the world and I think creativity has, I know over here, really gotten squashed. And I think we need it to breathe again and kind of feel like we're at home. And it's so empowering to all that participate for those developing, um, for those living in it. it. You know, it just gives people, and I think right now, especially in this time of COVID, we need hope that we can change and that we can do better, which is which is just a, a cool, cool thing. Now, Mark, I wanna get to you because Esther has, has talked to me about, you know, you are just kind of the, the connector over there. You know everybody and have just been such a huge, huge help in terms of supporting the project. And um, I wanted to know, you know, for you, how did you two meet? Well, I met through Stuart, actually. So I met Esther through Stuart. Stuart connected me to, to Esther and thought that we could help. Very much actually just building what you just said about, um, you know, we, we act really as that facilitator, as that integrator of knowledge globally. We have access. We're very privileged and honoured, actually, to have access to a very wide global network of knowledge. And the very principle of what we do is based around how you share that knowledge to openly and transparently to create innovation, to create opportunity, because that's how civilization, how human society progresses. And, uh, you know, that's really at the, the essence of that. And I think if we can help, you know, we, we live in an age now, we're coming into an age where really we need transformative ideas. You know, we have a climate change crisis, we have um, a chronic health crisis, um, you know, we've coming through a pandemic. Um, uh, the, the, there's no better time to look for transformative ideas now. No better time for investors to look at transformative ideas that can really change the way we live. 
to live more sustainably and with greater emphasis and focus on health. You, you know, I think ideas like Esther has uh, for this community need to be supported, need to be, because ultimately we hope Esther's idea becomes a reality, but even say it didn't, it would still contribute towards that development of another idea or another community that, 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 that achieves that. And I think that's the, the, the really crux of this is that we, we're all part of a, a, a you know, a, a movement really to, to, to ensure that we can all flourish and, uh, you know, alongside the planet as well. I love when you're talking about the transformation and being conscious of the social good, you know, the greater good. Uh, that's something we struggle with here in America. You see it on TV all the time these days. So we're not on the same page. And I remember when I first stepped into this space, because I was in residential real estate for 25 years, but I was um, basically coerced to, to dip my toe in here. And in 2009, I started Alzheimer's Speaks. And like you, Mark, I really wanted to connect people to opportunities and ideas and infuse them in hope and let them know that every person has kind of this power of one to make a difference. You know, it can be big, it can be small, it doesn't make any difference um, what they step into, but just stepping into that belief that we can do better as individuals and as communities. And I, I'm sure you guys know Mark Wortman, who used to be the director, executive director of Alzheimer's Disease International. I remember calling him one day and going, I think I have to move. They just don't get it over here. I just, I just felt like I was hitting the wall over and over. So I'm so excited when I see teams like this come together, because I, I just think this, this is the magic fairy dust. This is, you know, when, when you connect like this on this level and you're all so giving and, uh, you know, of your, your time and your expertise and your knowledge to make the world a better place. I just think that's the, the magic fairy dust where true change can really, really happen. Now, Mark, you've got a conference coming up in October. I understand that you're giving some time to Esther to be able to speak at that. And I want I, I would love you to um, tell people a little bit about the Healthy City Design Conference. Go ahead and give it a plug. We might as well, because great minds are gathering. Well, well firstly, Esther uh, successfully navigated the competitive evaluation process so we have a an independent program committee that selected her on the basis of her abstract and the basis of the project so it's not me giving time but it's a independent group of experts who who thought there was value in that but healthy city design reflects you know i think you know we're, we're living in a uh, an urban age um, and although there's been some shift you know from the pandemic of people maybe moving out of cities a little bit I think you know cities will bounce back and the, the case has to be made for how we dis bring bring them back you know in a greener a fairer a more inclusive and a more progressive way and um, healthy city design really looks at those urban health issues it brings partners uh, both from re research, practice and policy from all over the world, um, as well as international speakers and, and thought leaders to really think about what those core issues are um, uh, around how we, how we plan and design our cities in the future. And I think the point about um, inclusiveness, I think, is particularly relevant, of course, to dementia and Alzheimer's and, and recognising through the built environment 
the built environment is a huge determinant of health and well-being and um the, the wonderful thing about esther's project i think is that it really helps us shift that that mindset away from just the medicalization of a disease like dementia towards understanding the things that create and cause health the things that promote health that can really help people living with dementia or other neurodegenerative diseases to still live you know fulfilling flourishing lives and um i think you know there's still a lot of more learning knowledge understanding about how to apply the research that we have in that field through the physical environment and not to you know give up on people too early to give them hope and the environment can can be tremendously important and influential in giving them that hope and helping them access those memories uh, i think you alluded it to it earlier helping them to access memories through through the physical environment and through um through that energy that, that jess was talking about as well right thank you esther anything you want to add to mark oh no i'm very grateful again <laughs> it's amazing uh, that uh yeah that i have spoken uh, once and uh, i'm about to again so i definitely would uh, book in on the on the conference uh because it's it's a lovely refreshing uh, uh space and um yeah the more people um you know it, it, it's good to poke our gray brain cells at times because i think sometimes people do get a little bit stuck in the the status quo and sometimes i think uh yeah to rustle it all up and say actually if you combine it differently to stay in the analogy of with jeff the cook <laughs> you know toss it around walk it Throw it up a bit and and rejiggle it, and maybe a, a much better opportunity comes out of it. So, with platforms like that and yourself to raise that to to yeah the, to to tickle people, and 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 uh, that's what I've noticed. I I, I think I'm tickling people, um, um, even the, the ones that are a little bit skeptical, because uh, they they kind of ah, hmm, but then quickly they sign up to the newsletter anyhow. Or, or, or <laughs> so, so that is like, oh, surely not. And then, oh, but, but what if? Or they come back to me, and 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 I think that's good. We need to be stirred because the, you know there's enough going on in the world, and uh, you know it's not all that positive. And I think um, the the whole symbiosis idea is is, and I'm, possibly that is also also except for that people can see that it makes sense and it's common sense. It's an antidote. It it is. Okay, so we get all the hurdles, we get the regulations, we get the obstructions, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And if people who believe in it and want to come on board with that, let's just do it and we will do it. And and it is ultimately as simple as that. And that is what I keep in mind. In talking about this, I, I kind of envision, and, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, but I, I envision this as just a really playful community, almost like a fairyland where there's sculptures and gardens and, and, and just things to make people go, oh, you know, and, and, and question what is. Again, opening up the door of opportunity. Is that kind of what you envision? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is like, wow. And and um, um, and it mesmerizes you. It's quirky. 
it's totally Instagrammable. It has to be Instagrammable. And of course, I'm talking about the eco park around the facility. Uh, we, we shall, of course, respect the residents, but even the residents in themselves, they will get that feel by making sure that their view and that we can take them out on, for instance, why, like, excuse me, uh, if you're in a hospital bed, why would you not go to a rooftop terrace bar and watch the sun go down? Possibly the last time with your with your relatives. Why why not? Why, why is that option not there to really have that wow factor? We want wow factor for ourselves in our lives. Um, you know, there, there's no need to to actually dis, dis acknowledge that basically later on uh, because it could be us later on. Um, and, and sometimes that can be coming around the corner quicker than we think. So um, I think we owe it to, to the people who are there now. Um, and definitely it's something for ourselves if you really would look at it from a very selfish point of view. Let's just crack on with it and uh, make it happen. Yeah, well, and I like, you know, it being different and being in some ways almost museum-like, you know, because beauty's in the eye of, of the beholder. So I don't care if it's if it's landscaping, if it's a sculpture, if it's the architecture of the building or, you know, the, the pathway that somebody's walking on, doing it different. And again, making sure that it's it's safe and accessible and things like that, but just puts you in that moment of ah, how lucky am I, you know, to be able to be in something that is so different that the people want to come to see me, you know, because of my surroundings have so much more to offer. And that just adds to our relationship and our ability to communicate and connect. I want to wrap up here, but I want to go around to each of you and just see if there's anything else that you want to add. And Jazz, I'm going to go to you first. Well, as you were, were talking then, I was thinking about uh, the time with my mum, and we went everywhere. I took her to Canada. Uh, for a holiday to, to see her relatives. It was for the last time. Uh, some of it she remembered, some of it she didn't. It was such a gift to be able to do that. We went to a wedding. We would we just went everywhere and we would dress up. I would um, help her dress up, put all her best things on. And we absolutely had a ball and it was magical. And if I had been able to do that in a broader environment, where there's so much more available, it, it just would have been, I, I can't put words to it um, because I did my best, but yeah. this just would be fantastic. Well, to be able to create those moments, but not to have it end up being a big thing that you have to plan out and organize and all of those things too, because care partners times are limited, but just to be able to be there and enjoy and go, Oh, we can go here. We could, you know, we can leverage this. We can do this. What a, what a nice peaceful place that would be. I know in my mom's um, nursing home, we ended up building a, a big waterfall and patio area and the belief of course, and, and I'm sure Esther, you get this too is, Oh, that's too expensive. And I'm like, well, we priced it out. It's like 10, $15,000 for this great big, huge thing. And you know, they, they told me after we raised the funds for it, they're like, this was the best thing we've done because it made everybody feel comfortable. Everybody wanted to celebrate. Everybody also wanted to participate. They had master gardeners that said, hey, I, this is what I love to do. I'll take care of this. You know, there were people, you know, um, donating bench, benches and, and um, 
you know, glider swings and all kinds of stuff to enhance it because they believed that things could be different. And so, yeah, I, I just, I think sometimes we undervalue the importance of serenity and just peace and beauty. You know, everything doesn't have to be flashy and expensive. We really have to get at what, what melts our hearts, what creates those moments, what awakens us as individuals uh, to communicate. Um, Stuart, how about you? Anything you want to add? Yeah, thanks, Laurie. Um, yeah, just picking up on some of your thoughts, I think from my point of view, it's really exciting to be involved in a project where there are no benchmarks, there are no established yardsticks. So, you know, it's looking at a vision and realizing a vision is the aim. And that's quite a liberating thing to do. Um, and from a professional point of view, um, it's great. There are skills and there are, uh, there are things that we can bring to support the achievement of that vision. But, you know, coming from an environment where every, every penny has to be counted for back to some fairly well-defined objectives and yardsticks, it's quite nice looking at a scheme that has a different measure of value at its heart. It still needs to be sustainable and economic, but it has a different value set at its, at its vision and core. And that's quite an exciting thing to be involved in. Yeah. And I think when you, when you bring people together, I know like I'll use an example here in the U.S. We adapted the dementia-friendly communities here. We have no government support for any of that stuff. But it's just like there, there's, it just doesn't really exist, especially in the beginning when we when we did the first one and people are like well how are you going to do it and it's like there are so many people that are willing to volunteer their time their knowledge their contacts some financing um some some just equipment with printing or graphics or all of these things that used to you know you used to have to have before you started you know when when you when you ignite that power of purpose people are willing to give in so many ways that we don't even recognize because we're so used to like filling out this budget form and it, it just projects you so fast and people look around and go, how'd they do that? How'd they get that done? You know, because it's not, it's not a bed in a box. It's not, you know, one, two, three checkoffs. It's constantly getting ideas together and sorting them out and, and not having this competition of whose idea is better, but what's best for the project. And I, again, I know here in the U.S. we don't do that near as well as what I would, you know, like to see. And I think around the world, you know, as a whole, I think this is a, I think this is a process we need all of our leaders to embrace if we're really going to get ourselves out of this mess <laughs> that we're in, we need to pull everybody in thought-wise. Mark, how about you? Anything that you'd like to add? Uh, just to really add that I think, you know, there's a real opportunity with this project to, to get to the, you know, the roots, the causes of health and to create an environment where people can really flourish, what, you know, as they get older, not to give up on people, not to recognize the, the, the value of hope to recognize how people with dementia and Alzheimer's can still live a fulfilling life if you create the right conditions for them to be to, to do so. And I think if if this project can bring together all of those values and principles through the built environment, through the access to nature, daylight, 
creativity, opportunity, um, and, and support, and recognize the full capabilities of it as a community, as well as individuals, then there's a huge opportunity to change the conversation and for Esther's project to be part of a new movement of designing healthier communities for, for many different age groups and, and intergenerational groups um, as well. And I think we're on the cusp of a lot of change. And I think Esther's ideas are really potentially at the, uh, the forefront of that. Well, I think one of the ways she's done that, just from what I've seen, you know, which has been pretty minute in terms of what you guys have been doing. But to me, one of the key elements is she's providing a safe place to be creative. And, and that isn't real safe in a lot of jobs nowadays on all at all different levels. You know, people are worried about, you know, not rocking the boat. And Esther's like, hey, we're rocking it. Come on, this is fun. <laughs> you know, catch the next wave. And and to me, that's really, really exciting uh, how she's gone about that. Diane, how about you? Anything you'd like to add? I think for me, Mark's given a, a very good word and that's flourish. Um, and I think society as a whole needs that hope, needs that ability to flourish, not only um, the older generation, but the younger generation. And I, I think COVID has, you know, caused people to rethink their lives and rethink their family and, and rethink care. So I think the, the project, I mean, Esther's a force of nature, as we, we've said many times on this screen, but I think it's an opportunity for society to flourish. And Jeff, how about you? Oh my goodness, I could I could talk about it for so long. I think the key, I think the key is that we you know we collectively need to replant the rainforest, and that'll take us some time to grow. In the interim, we also need to be doing lots of other good work that make the wow moments within the environment. We need to break. You know, you've talked about the silos in the US. It's not as if we're without silos in the UK. Um, and we still have prescriptive boundaries and we need to talk about the way that communities interact with the, how they overstep in a good way, the boundaries between their piece of land and another person's piece of land, their space and another person's space, their service and another person's service and how those talk to each other. And obviously the NHS historically has been very good at that. But it's but at the same time, it's a huge organization and trying to get all of the right people having the right conversations has always been difficult. Um, and so if we can produce one example where at least we're providing Esther's vision and we've got all of those pieces in the in the mix that people want to connect to, that communities want to engage with, that you know, that the environmental agenda is served by what is happening, then that's, to me, what will make it happen. Well, and I think, too, you know, we and we didn't really get into this, but with COVID, I know over here, I mean, we have massive staff shortages, and it sounds like that's pretty much all, all over the world. You know, having a place of beauty and peace and fun is going to be much easier to attract staff because they're going to be getting more out of that. And I think businesses as a whole need to look at this a lot harder uh, than, than what they're doing and, um, and really opening, opening things up. 
Um, Esther, you know, you had talked to me earlier about not just, you know, a, a care home with a, with a nice garden. It's not just, you know, bringing in um, intergenerational activity and, and music. It's, it's not about just um, being environmentally sustainable. It's that overlap and that's, it's the interconnectedness and the power of all of those things coming together. And again, I've just mentioned a few of them, but it, it really is that interconnectedness is really the fuel that is going to make this fly and is going to attract people at all different levels with all different needs from those that want to support it to those that want to come and live to those that want to work. All of, all of those levels need to be considered. And I think the, the power of the intergenerational, that this just isn't an old folks home. I think we really have to change that because I know, I know I light up even at my age when little ones come around, but I remember my mom would be almost in a, um, people would probably refer to her almost in a comatose state towards her end stages. And she'd be sitting there with her eyes closed and a little child would crawl out underneath the table and she would know it three seconds before the rest of us. She was just connected. She'd get this big smile on her face and her eyes would open and we we're like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, bing, you know, this little kid comes out from underneath the table. And the, the power of that, I think so often we take for granted or we forget. It was just a moment instead of this is a fuel to really light the fire of something so much bigger um, with all of this. Esther, in wrapping up, what did we miss? Ah, <laughs> well, like, like Jeff just said, I mean, honestly, we can talk for hours because there are so many aspects on it. Um, but but I'd, I'd like to sort of, what you said earlier, creating a safe space for being creative. Um, it. it and that, and you see, that's interesting because you're saying creating a safe space because that's not normal. Whereas I would say the opposite: you have to be creative because I will not under I'm not under any illusion that this is not a complex um, enterprise or vision, but it is. And and being flanked by such professionals already who who just take that like yes, obviously we're with you. It is so enormously refreshing and to see the opportunities, uh, understanding the obstacles, but then seeing the opportunities and then have this attitude, we're going to do it anyway, <laughs> because this, we just want this for ourselves, for our, na for our own nation, for the planet, for our children. This is uh, how, we, how it should be. Um, and that, that's just enormously inspiring. It's nice. We I even had a handwritten letter from Sir David Attenborough for which I'm very grateful, acknowledging that it's a good idea. Uh, Tim Smith, do you know, the Eden Project is here in the UK. I had a brief uh, email exchange with him uh, this week, um, uh, subscribing that this is definitely a, a vision that should come off the ground. And, uh, and uh, with people then who are helping, that's just amazing. Well, I thank you all for coming together in the evening after work hours to, to pull this together with our time differences. Uh, I can't wait to watch you grow. Again, you can contact Esther uh, through her website. And we're also going to put up the website to Healthy City Design International Conference as well. And that is a virtual conference, if I'm not mistaken, Mark. It is a virtual conference this year. Um, and Jeff will be speaking as well. So. 
Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So people can register, I would imagine, all around the world and take part in that. I looked over the agenda and it looks pretty packed. You got a lot of a lot of great speakers, a lot of wonderful information. So again, thank you all so much for your time and, and sharing this information with us. And for our listeners, you know, please like, click and share this. You know, new things can take birth. Someone just has to be brave enough to step up and say, I've got an idea and start talking about it. And people will align with you. You're not alone. So get those new ideas going. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate your time. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.